All right, you ready for this? Yeah. All right, we're going to teach. Um, we're starting a new series today called Battlegrounds. Uh, and the whole purpose of the series is talking about some of the most common things that we face as Christians. You know, not just as, as people, but, but what do humans experience? What are the things that we fight? And so we're going to talk, you know, through the series about, you know, being offended. We're going to talk about uh, just different things that we deal with on a, on a normal basis. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, in our world today, we need to stand strong. All right. I will tell you publicly, okay, because that whole the 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 drag kids thing came out, uh, you know, this week. If you didn't know anything about it, good for you. You probably don't watch the news. Uh, but they wanted to parade children in drag at this this pride event. And I'm where I stand is as an adult, you do what you want, but do not involve the children, okay? And, and some say you're sexualizing children. And that's wrong, all right? Protect kids, don't expose them. And I'm so glad that our community stepped up and said, no, there's a line and you crossed it, all right? There's a line and you crossed it. So I'm not any activist, just so you know that, but I am a, a righteous person that says, no, there's a point that you don't involve children in certain things, all right? Um, if somebody tried to do that to your kid on the playground, you'd call the police. You wouldn't promote it. Right. Amen. So I just wanted to get that straight because I, I was going to, we can have to deal with it as a church. Um, last night at prayer, we discussed that, you know, as a church, how do you take a stand against sin without looking hateful? Because we love that community. We love people. That's our heart is, you know, people need Jesus. We love them. But how do you stand strong without being a jerk? And how do you, if you don't say anything, then you're almost accepting of certain behaviors. And so again, you try being a pastor sometimes you have to navigate those waters uh, because you can have somebody, you know, not like you regardless. But I just want to be biblical. So you can be loving, you can be honoring, and you can also be honest to say that's not right. Man, don't put the kids up there like that. Amen. So uh, it's one of the things that we deal with. But I want to, I want to talk to you about battlegrounds, uh, presidential elections that will be coming up in you know just a little over a year. What do they call states that can go either way? They call them battleground states, right? Why are they called battleground states? Because they're a state that has yet to decide... What party they are? Like, are we going to vote Republican or Democrat? Where are we going? And in states like, you know, Idaho, you don't see a lot of, you know, politicians or, or potential presidents coming here to win votes because we typically are a fairly Republican state. So, and I, I thought about our life as like a battleground state because the battleground states, the, they focus on those why because states can go either way. It determines the direction of a nation. And so they put a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, and a lot of really honest statements into those states, right? Because they're trying to sway them to go their way. And, and whatever party you elect determines a lot of the direction of the nation. And I wanted to turn that to our Christian walk, right? The battlegrounds that we have in our life directly applies to our walk with God. Because if you don't win certain battles, they determine the direction of your life. And not just of your life, maybe of your family, most likely your family. So it's important to know that if we didn't, don't win certain battles, we can go a certain direction. So there's three things we'll be covering in this series. It's number one is what we fight. Okay. And as our, our speaking team, we're preparing like to, okay, we're going to present some messages. What is it that we're fighting? Okay. Where we fight it. Where is the battleground at? Most of the time it's right here. It's right between your ears, right? It, it, it's in your mind. That's where the battles start. And, and then the, the, how we're going to defeat it is the how we fight. I want to tell you a small story before I tell you the title uh, of something I did as a kid that I'm not really proud of. It was one of the, the few things I did wrong as a child because most of you know um, I was the, the ideal model child that never, 
got into trouble, never threw tomatoes at cars, never, you know, put rocks in my dad's gas tank in his truck, never filled my uncle's 280Z up with water by sticking a hose in and turning. Yes, he, I did that. Um, I, I, I was into stuff all the time, just constantly every day. I pretty much got spanked because I was just always doing things. And my dad did say you were very honest. Like, did you throw a rock through that window? Yep, that was me. It's a good shot, right? Um, I, I did a lot of stuff like that. But one of the things I did to my best friend and my cousin, his name was John, we were playing in the sandbox, and I was probably six, seven years old. And, and back in those days, you actually played outside, not on video games. You actually did stuff. And so we were playing in the sandbox, and I had two bullet casings because that's how I grew up. And I, and I put them together filled with sand, and in my mind, this was a bomb. Like, I invented IEDs before they were a thing. Um, and, and it was my bomb. And John took it. Like, for some reason, he took it from me. So I did the only thing that I thought to do is I grabbed a little metal hoe that was actually bent. And I hit him in the ankle. Like, I, and I, I got him hard. It, like, split it open. I got my toy back. Um, but I lost a friend. So I hit him. He's screaming. My aunt comes out of the house. And she's yelling at me. And I think she actually whooped me. Um, and, and I felt justified because he took my thing, right? But I responded out of emotion and I realized when he pulled his penalty and he's screaming, there's blood coming down and I cut him open pretty hard, pretty bad that I reacted out of emotion and I shouldn't have done that. I had an emotional reaction, not thinking about the consequences. And a lot of times in our lives, we respond to people, especially our spouses and our kids in a way that is way, way, way Extreme compared to actually what was, what was done. And so we can unintentionally hurt people. And that's what happens when we live on emotion. So my, my title for today is, and sorry for the PowerPoint, I, I should have put early, is managing my emotions. Managing my emotions. How do we manage our emotions? Okay. My illustration is this. This one took me a lot of time to prepare. All right. Now, I thought M&Ms, right? M&M's is manage motions. Manage them is because the E didn't work, right? Uh, manage our emotions. Our emotions are contained in a brain, but inside the brain there's a lot of different colors of things, right? How, how do we manage emotions, all right? James chapter 4, he says this, all right? And, and I'm not really into cliches, but it really, you know, the struggle is real. You see that? The struggle is real. I used to kind of make fun of that. People would post, oh, the struggle is real. And I'm like, well, maybe your struggle. And then I started realizing, you know what? Actually, the struggle is real. There are things that we struggle against. Man, this is actually true in our walk with God. And so James here is Jesus' brother. He's going to say some things. He's actually talking to the church. And here's what he says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. In other words, you, you want something, but you don't get it. You want something, but you don't get it. And when you don't get it, you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. It says, and when you do ask God, you ask him with the wrong motives so that you can use what you get to benefit yourself. All right. What causes fights and quarrels among you? My NIV says this a little bit different. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from those desires that battle within you? And I love the words here that they battle within you. You want something, but you don't get it. Anytime we have an emotional trauma, it's because we wanted something and we didn't get what we wanted. Now, what we wanted may not be bad. 
But but when we have when we get tripped out with our emotions, um, that's that's the fact that we have to learn how to how to manage that. So here's a fact: you will always fight your flesh. You will always fight your flesh. Your flesh is against you. Your flesh is something that wants what it wants. And there's two battles that rage within us. There's the spirit and there's the flesh. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, and let me tell you, I'm a straight up pastor, right, guys? Hell awaits those who do not accept Jesus Christ as their savior. Okay, as our world spins out of control, the Bible is very clear. There's a heaven and a hell. You get to choose where you go. And you don't go, you know, hell is the default. If you reject Christ, hell, you pay for your own sins and hell for eternity. And, and that's not what God wants for you. That's why he gave his son, right? So we have a chance to accept forgiveness and to give our life right. But you always fight your flesh. Now, everyone has that one thing that you fight more than other things. And I could pause right now and say, it's not going to take you long to think about that thing that gets you the most. The thing that the devil tempts you the most. Every single one of us have one, right? It doesn't mean that we're giving into it all the time, but it means it's something that we fight. The important thing is that you fight to win and keep fighting to win. The only time you really lose is when you fail to get off the mat after you have fallen. To to win is to get back up and get to repent, to keep going in your walk with God. Again, so the topic is managing my emotions, all right? Let me tell you something about if you don't struggle with anything, you have pride. Either that or you should be preaching because you're way holy with it, right? But self-righteous, and you know nobody that's self-righteous? Like, they're self-righteous, they think they can do no wrong, really. Okay, those people, again, struggle with pride. But the problem with self-righteousness is you begin to feel you can make it without God. That's a dangerous thing to be self-righteous, all right? Um, so let's get into this, all right? I could have also titled this message after the I do, okay? After the I do. Here's a question I have for you. Did you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you have said, I do. I do, all right? Where you spend eternity, okay, is now taken care of. I just tricked some of you into getting saved. You weren't saved and you just said, I do to Jesus. You got saved, right? And you got to mean it, okay? You can't just word it, but you got to mean it. But, but all we have to do is when we, we are offered salvation, like salvation's free. The salvation, Jesus says, I will forgive you if you ask me for it. The moment you ask... Jesus, to forgive you for your sins is a moment. Your eternity is secure. Your, your, your heaven is your home. Now it's just the battle until we get there, okay? We have to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior in order to get to heaven. That's just the way that it is, all right? So after the I do, where you spend eternity after you give your life to Christ is taken care of. But like getting married, having a kid, buying a car or a house, you have to maintain that decision. Like you have to maintain it. You can't just say, well, I accept Jesus as my savior and go live how you want. No, you got to change some behaviors, right? Do things that please God. When you get saved, okay, or when you get married, you bring baggage into the relationship. Every single one of us has spiritual baggage. Every single one of us. Right? When you get married, you bring baggage into a marriage. Now, some of your baggage may be in a little backpack. Like if you lived really good and you didn't do a lot of dumb things, like you get married, you your back. Some of y'all have a U-Haul. Like you get married and it's like a U-Haul. You have all this baggage that you have to unpack. You got to look through. You got to deal with. We're like that in our walk with God. We all have sin baggage. And Jesus is willing to forgive us of that. And it's great. So you're still you when you get saved. Okay. It's just a saved you. Right. Your soul is taken care of. And now it's time to focus on keeping our flesh under control. Most of the decisions we make are driven by or at least start with emotion. We have these emotions, and there's there's a movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's called Inside Out. 
Okay, it's a cartoon. Anybody who has seen it inside? It's a good. It's a good movie. That's if you watch it, it really explains emotions. There's this little girl um, that, that she moves to a new place, and she has in her mind, in her brain, it shows the little characters. Like there, there's joy, there's fear, there's my favorite anger, because um, he's cool until he gets mad and he, he just like boils up. Um, there's disgust and there's sadness. Those are the five emotions this little girl has. And so as she grows up in the movie, the emotions are talking to each other and they're seeing changes in her. Like, whoa, she's reacting different than she used to react. And it, and it puts it in a file, like a memory. And certain memories will cause her to start crying. And I thought, well, there's not really a, a greater motion picture that depicts the human like that movie okay because the emotions are real we can't change the fact that we have emotions okay Uh, i don't want to be married to somebody like spock okay i should say spock personality not spock himself Uh, okay emotionless right if you watch star trek i'm not a trekkie but i I grew up kind of watching it And, and he was emotionless like he can make decisions without any emotion at all because that's basically how he was programmed. Now that would be no fun. Okay. You would never get mad, but you would also really never love. Right. So God made us to be emotional people. That is a fact is that we have emotion. Emotion can be a double edged sword. It can be good and it can be bad. We can't change the fact that we have emotion. It is how God made us. Do you know that God has emotion? God has, when you read the Bible, he has emotion, okay? He can have an anger, which is always righteous, and he can have a love. He can have a jealousy. There's a godly jealousy. So God made emotion, and you can't change this fact. So what you can't change, you must manage. And you might be able to apply this to a lot of places in your life, a lot of things. Maybe you can't change your job, or you can't change spouses, or you can't change who your kids are. So what you have to learn is, okay, I can't change it. Now I have to manage it. Now I have to, to manage it in the right way and not in the wrong way. Yeah, I can't manage things out of emotion because that'll, that'll make a big mess out of things. Again, we're going back to James for okay, what causes fights. What causes fights? You want something, but you don't get it. All right? You want something. I had to, I had to, we had to talk about that again. There's two perspectives on this, all right? And he says here, if you read this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires of battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. Now, we might look at that as being a, a bad thing, but there are also some desires that are good. Like some things that you want, some things you want from your spouse, from your boss, from your church family, and you're not getting those, and you're going to have emotions. So not all emotions are bad. Not all anger is bad. Some of you are anger today, and you might be even angry at God. And I will tell you this, God's big enough to understand your anger. And I don't think you're so much mad at God as maybe the circumstances. Like, okay, God, can you, I know you can do something about it, but it doesn't feel like it, right? And everybody have those emotions? God's job is not to make life completely peaceful. That's heaven, okay? And the only way you can get to that peaceful place is death, all right? And don't get there prematurely. Don't think stupid things, right? You, You stick it out until God takes you home. Amen. I don't know who that's for, but that, that wasn't in first service, but that might be for somebody. You're just like, I'm done. No, you're not done. God's not done with you. Amen. All right. What causes fights is things we want, but we don't get. All wants are not bad. So when we can accept this as a fact, right, we're going to have emotion. Then you can start winning because you know what you're fighting. One of the hardest things for me is to have those emotional moments and you don't know why. You ever have those? You're like, I'm just ticked right now, but I don't know why. I've never been like super happy and not know why. <laughs> Right? Come home, you're like, yeah, it's great. How come? I don't know. 
<laughs> Usually it's still like, you know, something good took place today. But, but we can have negative emotions and we're like, I have no idea why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. You feel me? Right? We, we have those moments and, and we're like, well, you have to know why. No, I don't know. We have these emotions that kind of trip us out at times. Here's what I believe about emotion is the problem with emotion is we don't often recognize it as emotion. Why? Because we're emotional at the moment. And when we're emotional at the moment, we're always rational. Okay, we're not thinking. Emotions got me. Okay, emotions are feelings, and feelings will often fail you. But I know about feelings is they're usually a hostile takeover. <laughs> like, you ever had that happen? You're just driving down the road, everything is great, and all of a sudden, boom, somebody in traffic does something, and you're like, ah! Right? Or, or you have a situation like I did when I was an immature uh, husband um, about two years ago. My wife and I were... We're going to on a date and we're driving down Meridian Road and we're kind of dressed up, you know, probably like this, uh, cause that's dressed up for me. And we're driving, we're going to dinner. I mean, I think we even have a gift card. So I'm like double happy. It's like somebody else paid for it. It's great. Uh, and we're driving and, and as I'm going down the road, if I remember correctly, I, somebody cut me off and I got a little annoyed and my wife said, you got road rage. Oh my goodness. Hostile takeover. We're going on a date, and, and I'm like, I do not have road rage. You don't know what road rage is like. Like, in my definition, road rage, you're waving a gun out the window. You're, like, ready to run somebody over. I have road annoyance. There's a difference. I got to change life church on the back of the car. I am not going to be waving my gun. I might have one, but I'm not going to be waving it out the window. And, and so we got into this little tiff. And, and all of a sudden you get the silent thing going. You're like, you know, I was like a little anger guy. And, 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 and I'm like, you know, she don't know. She doesn't know what rage is. You don't know her. You don't know. You know it's like lived with a husband that gets back. Because I don't have an anger problem. I don't. I don't I'm not an angry person. Uh, I have an annoyance problem, but it's different than anger. And so I'm in my mind going, I'm just going to turn around. I'm just going to go home. This is like a waste of a gift card. If we're going to go and fight the whole time, that's not it. So I had to man up and go, okay, I'm sorry. I don't have road rage. You need to get that. I don't have rage. I have annoyance. And, and we made peace right there at the red light. And I'm sat through two red lights in hell traffic up just because we were praying together and just getting it right. Uh, it's amazing how fast emotions can have a hostile takeover. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's why you're laughing is it's happened to you probably on the way to church. You know what it's like, right? Everything's great until that one little thing. And then, and then it's the, why did you say it that way? What was the tone? What was the look in your eye? How, how come you crinkled your eyebrow when you said that? What, don't we read into that stuff? And we're like, but you know, what you said, it was how you said it. It was the tone that goes on. Those things can just trip us out really fast. Okay. But I've told you for years, when we let our feelings fly the plane, it will take us off course to our desired destination. Right. It will. When, when feelings fly the plane. Guys, they're going to fly the plane. Yes, like our life group tonight, we do the marriage one, and we're doing uh, Kirk Cameron and his wife did this one. It's called Fighting Fair. We did it like three or four years ago. Um, and it's, man, it is a great series. And it's just called Fighting Fair. The thing is, you're going to fight. What I didn't know is that he was using some of the same scriptures I'm using today. Like, what causes these fights? And I was like, okay, that's got to be a God thing. All right? It's called fighting fear. You're going to get into it. If you're married and you do not fight, you are not honest with your feelings. Or you're married to the perfect spouse. And I know pretty much all of you, and you're not. Okay? So, 
But if we if we if we if we always get along all the time, you're not honest. Okay, you're not honest. You're not really telling what you feel about certain things, even if it's where you eat. Everybody that has a relationship is going to get into it. The thing is, is are we going to fight fairly? Are we going to fight fair? Are we going to say, okay, we have these differences. Let's talk it out. Um, but again, if we let, get on an emotional thing, it'll take it in the wrong direction. All right. So as we grow and mature as a Christian, we learn to recognize why we feel a certain way and we deal with it accordingly. Or when someone we're close to is going through something hard. Has any, anybody ever known anybody on prednisone? Yes. Prednisone is of the devil. And it's of God. I mean, there's a, it's this dichotomy of good and evil. And, and, and prednisone is one of the things that we had to deal with. My daughter Lexi is, has severe asthmatic. So we put her on prednisone as a kid. We did not, the doctor did not tell us the side effects of prednisone. He was like, your kid needs prednisone. Here you go. Have a nice day. About two days into it. You know that little anger emoji inside the head of, of Riley and the thing? We, we would see things come out of my daughter who is a very sweet person that we were like, what in the world? And usually it would be in the checkout line. There's a store. Like the kids going, ah! You go, what's wrong? Our parents are looking at you and you're like, prednisone. Like, oh, I totally get it. If they know about it. Prednisone does something to you. Prednisone makes you emotional, makes you sensitive. It makes you super loving and kind and compassionate. Those last two were complete lies. Prednisone, if you've never dealt with it, it makes, it, it messes with your emotions. It really does. And, and it makes you sensitive. Um, you know, when Chris has to get on it because of some of her lung issues, I mean, I can hardly touch her sometimes. Which for me, that's my love language is like to just say, hey, baby, you're like, air hook. Because I try to be a sensitive husband. All right. And prednisone trips people out. And so if you meet somebody that's, you know, they're having like a really rough time, it might just be the prednisone. Could be PMS too. Um, you don't know. Yeah, all the ladies are saying, wow, because you know I'm right, all right? Um, it, it's hard because men don't have an excuse. Like, right? When we're jerks, we can't go, well, it's just my chemical imbalance. I mean, we can, but, but we don't get away. We can't get away with it, all right? Ladies, you know I'm right. We, we, when, when we just have to learn men, just be. Just know, right? You just know. There's certain times of, of the month, um, first week, second week, and third week, um, that you just got to walk carefully. In the fourth week, pretend like it because then she'll love you all the more. All right? Ladies, you know, you know I'm right, right? I'm not picking on you. I'm just talking biological facts here, not opinion. No, really. I'm married and I have two daughters. I know what this is like. I, I, I know I know of what I speak, okay? I know of what I speak. I've been down the road. And there are times that as a dad, I had to be just extra loving and understanding. Like, I'm being serious. Like, you had to go, okay, this is, you know. Um, so, you know, or you might just have a bad day, okay? Let's move on because I feel glares. I just, I feel, I feel some emotion. And some of y'all are watching online and I feel some of your emotion through the TV screen. Um, and I also see some husbands grinning and just walking out of the, into the kitchen to get a drink of water. Thanks for tuning in online, by the way. All right. So when we have grace for others' emotions, life will be better. I mean, that's why I say what I say is there are people that go through stuff. And guys, one thing that we lack is empathy. Empathy is really feeling what somebody else is feeling or doing the best that we can. So when somebody's going through a life situation or even a chemical thing, I mean, when there's like a thyroid, guys, thyroids will mess you up. 
They really, if you, if you have a thyroidism headache, it can make you completely emotional. We, we need to be better at having empathy for people who actually have something going on, whether it's physically or emotionally, that they're just struggling. Right, And when you have a family, and I think our church family is really good at that, uh, because we know each other for the most part well enough to go, kind of having a rough day, huh? And we're not, not in a picking way, in a way to say, hey, I love you, I care about you. I care about you. I had a friend the other day that I saw at a meeting, and, um, and I said, man, you look tired. And it wasn't in a, in a bad way. And I was like, when's the last time you had a vacation? And he's like, yeah, I kind of missed it. All right, I, I say it because I love him. He's a great pastor, great, great leader, but I've been there. Like, you need a break. You need to break, and we need to be better at recognizing that and having that. Um, now, if you say to somebody you don't know, <laughs> you look exhausted. You, probably, you might get slapped, you know, especially if they have one of the previous things I just talked about. So you got to know the person. Here's what I know about emotion. Emotion sets the tone to the temperature in our homes and relationships. It really does. Emotion is like if everybody would look over there, okay, there's thermostats. Those thermostats do two things. Number one, there's a display that tells you what the current temperature in the room is, and that will go up and down according to the temperature. It doesn't change anything. But a thermostat, okay, that's the thermometer side. Thermometers just go up and down. A thermostat actually changes the environment. You put heating or cooling, and it'll change the environment to what you want or to what I want it. You ever notice when it's too hot, I never ask you how you feel? Um, yeah, because I got the lights and a little bit warmer. But the thermostat is, is like an emotional thing. We can raise the temperature in a home or cool it down by how we react, by what we do. Uh, we can set this emotional uh, tone or temperament okay, in our homes and relationships. When I was probably 9 or 10, I bought my mom a mood ring. Mom, you're probably watching unless she's here, all right? Uh, I bought her a mood ring. And, and it was all in innocent, right? Because if you really think, you really don't need to put a mood ring on your mom to know what mood she's really in. All you got to do is watch the face, right? And my mom was a country mom, had a garden, and she did all this stuff, um, raised four kids. But but I, I bought it out of the mood ring, and the mood ring is based on the temperature of your skin. I discovered that. It's not magical. It doesn't really know the emotion. But wouldn't it be great? Men, can I just talk to you? Ladies, just close your ears. Man, wouldn't it be great? I already get a wow out of that. I didn't even say nothing yet. Um, but Lori knows me. She knows where I'm going. Wouldn't it be great if, if you had a, a way to know what mood your wife was in? Like without seeing her first? Just didn't know? Like, okay, do I need to bring her flowers? Do I need to bring whatever it is? Wouldn't it be great if, if, ladies, you had a way of knowing where your husband's mood was without seeing his facial expressions first? Wouldn't that be good? The thing is that we really don't. Okay, here, here's why. Have you ever misread somebody's facial expressions? Yes. Like you thought they were mad about something and they were just focused. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I do when my wife's texting. I watch her face and I try to guess. Allison, it's not the best thing to do, but I do. I, I watch. I'm like, she's happy. Whoa, whoa, what happened? And she like furrows and, and, and it's, it's just something I do. I have work to do, okay? You should try living with this. It's hard sometimes. But I try to guess facial expressions. A lot of times we're wrong, okay? But think about this. When you come home or when you get home, what atmosphere do you walk into? What atmosphere do you walk into and what atmosphere do you bring? Now, this is where it hits our hearts. Like, what, what am I bringing home? If I'm the type of guy that when I drive up, my wife gets a little cringy, like, what's going to happen? That's on me. That's my fault, right? Because I'm not setting a tone. Is it going to be a happy stand or is it going to be a sad stand, an emotional stand, or a road rage stand? Which there is no such thing as road rage stand. There is a noid stand. 
And then I remember my name is only one A away from Satan. So I got to be careful with that. Okay. But what atmosphere do we set? What do we walk into? I was, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Marysville, California, uh, I was mowing my yard one day and I thought of this thing that happened. I hadn't thought about it for a long time. And so I'm mowing the grass and all of a sudden I had a wasp sting me. I mean, just nailed me from behind. And I was like, what? And I turned around and it was, it was a, it was a bad sting. I mean, he got me. I, I say he, okay. I'm gender friendly. It's he. Because a female bee would never sting me. Uh, and, and I looked in the, I was like six feet from the nest. And it was a little nest. But that bee was having a bad day. Like, I've been so close to a lot of wasps' nests, and they don't always come after you. But this particular guy, he was angry. I mean, he was, I don't know what it was, but he got I me. And I wasn't even that close. Again, I'm probably six feet from the nest. But it felt threatened somehow. And I remembered that story because there's times, guys, that somebody's just innocently doing something. Most of the time, our spouse. And we will fly off and we will sting them. And, and they did nothing to deserve it, but we felt threatened or we felt like maybe they were looking at us funny or ignoring or something. And, and we hurt the ones we love. Okay. And, and maybe they didn't even do anything to deserve it. Right. And even if they did, we shouldn't sting anyway. But the fact is the bee's nature is to what? Is to sting. So what we have to do is learn how to navigate those situations. Now I spray nests. Okay. Um, when I painted houses for a living, all right, I would sometimes get in this. I'd be way up on a ladder. I would use my airless to shoot bees out of the air. Like I'm like, because it's not like being 20 feet up and getting stung. Like you have to, to brace yourself for that reaction, right? But going back to your home, if your spouse hesitates to come home, there's an issue. There's an issue. And there shouldn't be an issue, right? There shouldn't be an issue. Uh, I gave first crowd the same advice. And sometimes men, especially, I think we do this, or at least I do. I will send a little emoji is, is like a head. Like you send them like a little kissy emoji and you see what the response is going to be. If it's left on red, there might be an issue, at least in your mind. Or it could be the phone is in the other room. And, and, and does anybody else do this? And you kind of wait for the emoji back to see what it is. It's like a little angry red face. You're like, oh, okay, what do I do? If it's a little kissy face, I drive a little faster. Let's keep moving. Um, all right. I was driving my construction site uh, on the way home this, this last summer. Hot. It was hot. The guys were working. And, um, and so as I was driving home, it was after 5 o'clock, and it was quitting time. And, and as I drove by the construction site, there was a, se- a group of several men just talking. Just You know, they worked all day long, and they're sitting there talking. And the thought really did cross my mind. How come, how come they're not in a hurry to get home? Are they just being guys and hanging out and talking? But I really, I thought, is there a few of those guys that go home to a bad relationship? Is there a few of those guys that go home that can maybe, maybe they're the issue, but there's tension? Is that why they're hanging or are they just being guys and talking after work? I didn't know, but it, but this, the, this, the thought was in my head. How come they're not on their way home? There's a song that I want you to listen to. Um, I didn't put it on the screen, but it's called All the Fun. All the fun. It's written by Paul Overstreet, who is a, is a country western artist. Um, lived a, a godless lifestyle at first, and he got saved. And so he started writing Christian gospel. And, and he writes this song about, it's called All the Fun. And he says, the guys I work with, they work real hard. And they like to have a good time. At the end of the day, it's time to play. Um, and something about they leave the yard. And he says, but they poke fun at me. And they wonder why I don't stay long. And my response is, I got all the fun I want. Waiting for me at home. 
That's, that's the song. So you need to listen to it because his words, his life changed and then his words begin to change in his music. And I love that. He's like, I got all the fun I want. My, my wife loves to do this kind of stuff. She loves romance. Um, but his whole thing is I, I can't wait to get home because I know what I'm coming home to. And really that's what our desire should be as spouses. Okay. That, that we are the type of spouse that our, our, our spouse wants to come home to, that enjoys come. And, and we don't expect perfection. We don't expect, you know, that every day is going to be a great day, all sunshine and flowers, right? Because you have to have rain at times to make flowers, right? But we should be consistent in our emotions, right? I want to close our time here, okay, with some last thoughts and a plan of action. Okay, we see how James addressed it. Now the Apostle Paul writes a second letter to the Corinthians. And if you don't know really much of the Bible, uh, Corinth was a crazy place. Corinth was like a, a town that was just nuts. I mean, very immoral, just partying. It was just a crazy thing. And the Apostle Paul starts this church there. So you get all these crazy people that get saved, but not all the crazy is out yet. And so he, he's, he's writing this letter to the church going, guys, you, you're, you're living like you used to. You, you need to not do that. You need to not do that. And so the, all the context before this statement he's about to make is about their walk with God and how they need to be better. They need to not go back to the way things were. They need to, to grow. You, you, you have to have faith in deeds. Like you can't just have faith in Jesus. You have to live it out. And so that's his whole context. But he makes a statement here. And I'm not really preaching on the, the verse necessarily itself. It's what he says. Like this word, just this, this sentence catches my eye. And he says this. All right, Second um, Corinthians. And if I was in the book of Second Corinthians, that would be great. Not in the book of James. Yeah. All right. And here's what he says: For I am afraid that when I come, okay, because he's away and he's writing my letters, like I'm going to come visit y'all. He says, I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. And I thought, man, what a statement. What a statement for relationships, right? I'm afraid that when I get home, I'm not going to have a very good reception when I get home. I'm afraid that when I get to work, the boss is going to be mad at me. I'm afraid that when my kids get off the bus at school or when I pick them up, that you're not going to be like I want you to be. I want you to be loving and kind and compassionate and maybe fun. But Paul himself has this thing. And then he says, and you may not find me the way you want me to be. And what he's referring to is I may have to get on to you guys. I may have, as your pastor, I might have to discipline you. I might have to say, sit down, shut up, and listen. Like, you're living crazy. You need to knock it off. And so he's, he's talking about a real relationship. I'm afraid that when I come, I'm not going to find you as I want you to be. And you may not find me as I want me to be. And he says, I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Factions, which is division, slander, you talk a smack about people, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. And guys, he's talking to the church. He is not talking to unbelievers. He is talking to Chris Christian family. He's like, he's like, you guys are all crazy. I'm afraid that that's how I'm going to find you. And I don't want you to be that way. He says, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you. And I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of their impurity, sexual sin and debauchery in which they have indulged. He is talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians. You see a little bit of emotion, Paul, here? He's got this emotion, and it's a good emotion. He's like, I love you so much, but the way you're living, the way you're turning is only going to lead to trouble. It's only going to lead to sadness, and I want to save you from that. So how do we manage our emotions? 
Right? Everything he lists here is a result of uncontrolled emotional responses to people. And he's like, this is not a good example for anyone, especially non-believers. Okay? Especially non-believers. He's like, I'm going to have to put the whoop on you when I get there. <laughs> Did you grow up in, in the time and age when your dad, like you're in the back of the car before there were seatbelts in your rain books, you're all around. And, and when your dad's like, don't make me come back there. We were always like, yeah, I want to see you do that while the car's going 70 miles an hour down the road. That might be kind of fun, Dad. Mom, take the wheel, right? Uh, But what I found was my dad had a long arm. And he could swing and get you. It was accurate. Like, you know, you said that, you know, parents have eyes in the back of their head. Sometimes you thought that was right because he'd be like, bam, hit you. You're like, whoa. Like, I told you to knock it off, boy. Okay. Listen, I deserved every one I got. Except for once. My brother actually did it. I got in trouble. But I kind of figured checks and balances. I didn't get caught a whole lot, so I wasn't going to say a whole lot. All right, let's close this out. You okay if we close early? Is that cool? All right. So what we fight, what do we fight? Right, we fight our emotions. Very good. You're much sharper than the first group. Um, they hadn't had the coffee yet. It took them a while to get that. All right. And next time you eat M&Ms, next time you see that, I want you to think, manage my emotions. I want you to think that. And that's why I like Object lessons is when we see those things. Uh, some of y'all, you, you manage your emotions by tearing the sucker open and eating the whole pack at once. That's okay. It's chocolate. God made chocolate for a reason. Okay? So manage my emotions. And your emotions comes in different shapes and sizes. Okay? But they're awful of nuts. <laughs> all right? They're awful of nuts in these. All right? Peanut, these peanut images those are my favorite. All right? But i got to manage my emotions. And the next time I see this, the next time I flip out, my wife is probably going to throw me a bag of M&M's and go practice what you preach, boy. Um, she can get me. So what we fight, and she has permission to do that. What we fight is our emotions. That's today's lesson. Okay, Where we fight is in our mind. But it manifests in our relationships. Okay, Our goal today is really to get us thinking about, okay, I have this emotion. Do I let it out in a way that's going to hurt the relationship? Or do I need to just like take some time out and go think about it? All right, That's really what we're working on. We can't get rid of them, so we have to manage it. Okay, now the next one is this. How we fight. This is what I want to leave you with because I can't, I got to give you a strategy for winning. I can't just say, hey, you have problems, go figure it out. That's, that'd be like going to the doctor. He's like, yep, I see the problem. Have a nice day. What do I need to do? Hey, you figured it out on your own. No, you want to give me antibiotics or something, right? So number one, recognize when it happens and be honest about it. Okay, just be honest. Like, man, I, I, I'm emotional. Okay, what triggers me? What triggers me? You've heard me preach a lot to know that driving down Eagle Road triggers me sometimes. Right? It just does. Like, I, I almost hit a guy uh, Thursday, and I was going down Eagle Road, and he ran a red light. I mean, he he, he followed the traffic, but he was an older dude. And I was in my pickup, and it's 55 in there, right? I, I was stuck, but I was I was going, and he just kept coming and almost broadsided him. It was a gray Toyota Tacoma with a white-haired man. I actually saw a gray Toyota pull in this morning. Um, true story. So if you're here, I almost killed you. Um, and I also honked very loud. And I, and I scared the guy because I don't know that he realized really what he did. He might have been just following the crowd. But he ran it big time. And I about broadsided him. And I honked. And he looked at me. And, and then he drove off. And I think he might have had to deal with some things later um, because of the look on his face. But I might have saved his life. Number two. Don't blame others for your emotions. Be responsible for your own. This is really hard to do because when you're emotional, 
you're irrational, right? So we want to blame other people, but we're responsible for how we handle our emotions, right? We're going to be emotional. We just got to be better at responding. Okay, number three, be compassionate for others. One of the things that, that we can do really easy is we can judge somebody way fast. Like we, they're having, and we're like, what's your problem? That's like the worst thing you can say. What's your problem? Or how you say it. Hey, honey, looks like you had a long day. I, that That is not the way to get to a woman's heart, is it? Right? It may be just a hug, babe. How was your day? You know, was it rough? Um, I tend to be more the woman in our, you know, I can ask my wife. I was like, babe, how was your day? She's like, fine. And I'll be like, that's such a man answer. Like, you ask me how my day is, I'm going to tell you about the day, who I counsel, whatever. Uh, so it, it, it varies a little bit. But be compassionate for others when they're having a hard time. It may be that they're fighting a battle you know nothing about. Okay? And as a church family, I think we do a really good job at just loving people and, and you just say, man, you, you know, let me walk with you through this. Again, another reason for life groups. Uh, number four, this sounds cliche, but it works. Pray, read the Bible, and worship. Okay, when I talk about worship, we worship God in a lot of different ways. I'm talking about worship music. Okay, I'm talking, when we come in as a, as a church on our Wednesday night service or Sunday, is that we actually worship with the song. We worship, Kristen does her best, and she does a phenomenal job at leading us. Okay, and I'm proud of her at times that she has to go... I'm finding you not like I want. Like you need to lift your hands up. You need to get surrendered. We talked about it last week that your antennas are VHF. Okay. We're, we're VHF. Some of y'all are like cable Christians and that's fine. Okay. It comes through the floor and up your leg and you might tap just a little bit. But some of us are like, we're like rabbit ears. Like we're tuning in like, God, I just need you to touch me today. Worshiping through, through word, through music is one of the hardest things we can do when we're having a bad time. It's also one of the easiest things to do if you know this is what gets me out of it. God, I'm going to worship you regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of what I'm feeling. I'm going to worship you and serve you because why? Because you died for me. That's enough, right? Number four, or, again. So, so pray. And um, I've talked to many people like, well, I do my, you know, my devotions in the evening. <laughs> that's great, but that's too late, Amen. right? Here's what I know is if you don't pray a prayer for help in the morning, you'll pray a prayer of repentance in the evening, right? So start your day off with prayer. Start your day off with Jesus. I need you. Me personally, I will make a mess of things if I don't start my day off with, with the Bible and just praying, asking God for help. All right. I, I, Chris will notice. I will notice. Again, I read my Bible every day. I have since I was in high school. But my prayer time, if that's lacking, it's definitely noticeable in my emotions. And this is where my wife says, amen, brother. Preach it. All right. Okay. Um, so right perspective. Okay. You learned something? Yes. Good. You're all like, yeah. If we learn something, can we leave early? Absolutely. That's how I work, all right? Uh, number five. I added a number five. That's not on there. Number five is walk away. Sometimes you just how have to walk away. How do I fight it? I need time. I need time. I just need to go process it. And, and if you're married to a talker and you're a processor, you're going to have a hard time. Because he or she is like, talk to me, talk to me. And you're like, no. You know, it's like Pac-Man. You're just after him and you're just going. And you're like, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. <laughs> that doesn't work. If, if you're a talker, if you're a, hey, we need to talk about it now. And you're married to somebody who's like, give me some time. The worst thing you can do is pester them. Because you will act just like that bee that flew off the fence to sting. It's only going to drive them away because it doesn't work, right? You've tried it. It doesn't work. It's like recognize, okay, they need a little bit of time. And what I tell couples is if you're like that, give her or give him 
Typically, it's the woman wanting to talk. The guys, now, again, ours is opposite. Okay, I'm the talker. Is give them a time frame. Give me, a six, give me a half an hour. Like, like put a time to it. Give me a half an hour. Give me 45 minutes. Give me an hour. It's always better to go long and come back. Because if in an hour you're not ready to talk, you're like, what you said an hour? Uh, you know, so give me an hour or two. Let me process. Let me think it out. Because a lot of times the thinkers have to think about how to respond. They're afraid to answer emotionally. That, that, so they're, they're actually using restraint to, to say, I, I don't want to talk about it. Now, what they're saying is I might say something I'm going to regret. So respect that, right? Respect that. Um, number five, again, walk away. It's like a boxing match, right? You fight for three minutes and then what? You go to your corner. Okay, the coach gives you water. It kind of gives you, you know, a little bit of a breather. We need those in our relationships. So think for a moment of how often we allow others' behavior or performance determine our emotions. How silly is that? Like we give other people the remote to our emotions, um, especially sports. So I, I've, I understand the NFL starts today. So I, I have to, to talk to you ladies uh, because some of your husbands are dreading your wife's response to a loss of their football team today. Man, first service is way more responsive than you all are. Um, that was kind of a joke, okay? Because typically, ladies, some of you all love football, but mostly it's men. If their team loses, they just get in this bad mood and they're like, ah, right? That is not fair to the relationship, all right? It's okay about being compassionate or passionate, um, but there are some women. I, I've talked to women who they dread if the football team loses because their husband is in a bad mood for like the rest of the time. Guys, that's not fair, and I'm going to say something. One word. Grow up. Yeah. Sure, right. Yeah. Grow up. Ladies, some of you know you're more passionate about sports than the guy is, okay? But typically you don't, it doesn't ruin your entire day. You're able to compartmentalize it. Uh, but guys, this is a real thing. I mean, I don't say the enough thing is a joke. This is a real thing. This can set the whole mood. And we got life groups tonight. And if your team loses before life groups, it's probably not going to be very fun. Right, so this is go that. All right, it's a battleground. We need to determine to win is manage your emotions. Okay, God made emotion. He doesn't want us to be emotionless. He just wants us to keep them in check, so we don't destroy the relationships around us. Amen. Amen. I hope this helps you. I hope it did. Again, uh, I did do my question again because you come to church here, you're gonna hear about Jesus. Okay, we end our services. If you have a friend that doesn't know Jesus, this is the place to bring them because all of our leaders, all of our, my preaching team will say, hey, here's how you get saved. And here's how we do it here. If you're brand new, I just ask everybody, just, just bow your heads with me for a moment. And we just make this kind of a private time. But if you're here today and maybe you, I mean, you believe in God, but you're not like really a church person. You're not quite understanding. Guys, like I told you, there's a heaven and there's a hell. Okay, there's two places to go when you die. And we get to determine where we go. But the determination comes from accepting that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that God loves me more than I can even understand, and God will forgive me the moment I ask him to. Okay, I have to ask Jesus into my life. I have to to give my sins to Jesus because he paid for them on the cross, but I have to confess that. Like, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision, you've never said, Jesus, please forgive me, come into my life, and you want to make that decision, you want heaven to be your home, I'm going to ask you just to be bold and brave. Nobody's looking around. It's just me and you and God. If you just lift your hand up, say, stand next to me. I don't understand everything. Okay, I see hands up all over. Okay, that's a good thing. Several hands up. And here's what we do as a church family. We pray in support of those who have had their hands raised. You can put them down. And if you're online, you can join us too. And it's a simple prayer. Just repeat it after me, church family. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, believe you died for my sins. I believe you died for my sins. 
I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.